Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. All right, so today I want, uh, last week we, we had a, um, our message was about being reconciled to God and what that means and that God, through Jesus, said reconciled the entire, entire world to himself. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, that that. There was an issue between God and man, and that was sin. There was a time in history when God was angry because of that. He, he couldn't reconcile because of that issue. And, and 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus to earth to be a man, to live perfectly, and to eliminate that issue between God and man. And, and Jesus took it out of the way, took it out of the way for the whole world. But there's still a part you have to play, and that's that you have to be reconciled to God. He's not mad at you, but... But you finish that transaction by putting your faith and trust in him. He imparts his righteousness to you. And uh, we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for that. So I, I really want to take the next maybe few teachings, few times I'm going to preach, and I want to talk about a verse that's very familiar, and I want you to look at it like you've not looked at it before. I want you to really meditate on it allow it to saturate down into your soul, into your heart. And it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It's a very familiar verse, but we talk about it a lot. And we talk about what it is that we're a new creation. But a lot of times, we don't really understand what that is, or how do I understand that? How do I come to terms with that? Because the Bible may say one thing, but I'm experiencing something completely different in my life. And, and the thing that the Bible says and the thing that I'm experiencing, there's this apparent disparity between the two. And what happens a lot of times when, when we don't experience what we hear or what we read or maybe what we've been taught or even sometimes what we believe, what happens is it, it causes you know, a contradiction in us. It causes frustration in us. It, it sometimes even causes us to doubt and, and, and no longer believe. And so I want you to look at this, and I want to start opening up some things to you about how to understand the new you. So the title is Understanding the New You. And today is going to be really foundational. Today is going to be kind of like uh, we're going to prepare the foundation to teach on this for a few, a few times, because before I, I get into talking about what you have in Christ and, and who you are in Christ and how that impacts how you live, I want today just to understand how do we discern who we are in the spirit? How do, how do we really understand that and come to grips with that? Oh, wow. I didn't know David put a new graphic up there for me. Uh, so this is great. Um, um, just kind of threw me for a loop. That's good. Uh, the other thing that threw me for a loop is I didn't know Don Ward was 70 years old. That's... Uh, Let's give Dawn a That's amazing. That's amazing. I heard somebody behind me say, he looks great for 80. <laughs> it was somewhere in this, in this neighborhood over here. <laughs> Don't look bad for 80. Oh, that's great. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want to read the first phrase of verse 18 with this, because a lot of times we just read verse 17, and really verse 18 gives a little bit more understanding to verse 17. 
Let's read this together, okay? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. So here's the first thing I want to tell you, that the new you is of God. You had nothing to do with the new you. That word of means to emanate from, to be emitted from, or to come out of. So everything new about you is of God, it's out of God, it's just like God, it's got nothing to do with you. And so this word, if you see there, we see this a lot of times, it says, old things have done what? They passed away. So if somebody or something passes away, what happens to it? It's not coming back, it's gone. And it says, all things have become new. So when we read that, and we look at our lives, and we think, well, I know the Bible says I'm new, and all, if all things are new, then how come there's still broken things in my life? And if all things are new, how come I still think the thoughts that I used to think? How come I still am depressed like I used to be? How come I, I, I don't have comprehension of things? How come I'm still sick? How come I'm still weak? How come I'm still addicted? How come I'm still whatever if all things are new? And all of a sudden this contradiction makes you wonder, well, if it says I'm new, but I'm not experiencing new, maybe it's not true. And it can lead you down a path of starting to doubt not only God's word, but I've talked to people that have gone down this path so far, they even doubt their salvation. If this is true, or this is not true, then maybe none of it's true. So I really want to give you some foundational things today. This word new in the Greek is kainos. So next slide. And the word means, so it's not new like if you know that we just bought a new men's home. Anybody know that? A few months ago. And David and the guys and Seth and a number of people have been remodeling the old home and we're making it into a, a new home. That's not what happened to you. God, God didn't take the old you and say, you know what, there's a couple good rooms in here. This, you know what, Kara, she's got good bones. Right? You hear that term about homes, it's got good bones. You had no good bones. There, there was nothing in you that God wanted to rehab, reform, remodel. He got rid of it. And so this word kainos, when it means new, it means new with respect to form or new with respect to substance. Recently new, fresh, recent, unused, or unworn. It means of a new kind. And that's really what the heart of it is. It's a brand new kind that never existed before. So the new you is so new... It's something that never existed before. It wasn't part of your past. It wasn't part of your, your family lineage. It's not been passed down to you. It is completely new. And, and so I want to give you just a little comparison because when we see that the all is new, and what happened to the old? Passed away. The John... Uh, John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, in Revelation 21, verse 1, he uses the... Uh, oh, let's go back to that. The new you is not a better version of the old you. So, so God didn't take the old you and kind of put a little lipstick on it and a little, 
a little, uh, you know, a little mascara and makeup. No. He didn't dress you up. The old you's gone, and there's a brand new you. As a matter of fact, the old you has passed away and no longer exists. So here's what John says. Do you ever hear about the new heaven and new earth? John uses the same word, kainos, to refer to the new heaven and new earth, and he uses the same word, passed away, that Paul uses when he talks about the old you. And look what John says. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth ceased to what? Exist. Same word, passed away. He said, and the sea was no more. So when you think about the old you, I want you to think of it just like this. When John sees this revelation of the new heaven and the new earth, the new can't come until the old ceases to exist. And when you were made new, the old you ceased to exist. It's no longer there. Now you're like, why do I still do what I do? Well, that's a great question. And we'll talk about that. But I just want you to know this, the old you has ceased to exist. So what happens, and probably one of the best revelations I've had that's helped me understand God's word, and especially the epistles. So a lot of Paul's writings, Peter, John, you know, the epistles. The thing that helps me the most is understanding that there's more than just the you that you see. And sometimes people will say, well, yeah, I realize there's, there's this me, and then there's the inside me. Well, there's actually a little bit more than that. So what happens when we hear verses like uh, Hebrews 12, verse 23, that says that the, the spirits of just men have been made perfect, or, or that we read 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, by his stripes you were healed, or Ephesians 4, 24, that be renewed after the new man that was created in true righteousness and true holiness after God, so that you've been made completely righteous, completely holy, that you're, you're no longer, that you're free from sin, you're no longer bound to sin. And, and you read all these things, and you're just like, well, I don't see that, because I'm not, I'm not seeing that in my, my body. Well, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, so a lot of times people say, well, I realize I have a body, and maybe you even hear, hear the term soul, but I want you to know there's three parts to you, And when you have an understanding of these three parts and how they interact, you're going to have a better understanding of scriptures that a lot of times you you can't really figure out what they mean. So Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he says, Now may the God of peace sanctify you wholly, or may he himself, the God of all peace, sanctify you wholly in what? Spirit? What else? Soul and body. And may all three of those be preserved blameless, until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the only time in the New Testament. Now we see, Tom, sometimes we see body and soul. Sometimes we see soul and spirit. But this is the only verse that says that uh, Paul addresses all three, spirit, soul, and body. So I want you to say this, and I want you to get this down today. Say, I am a spirit. I am a spirit. Like, I, I know you don't look like a spirit, but you are a spirit. There's Curtis. He's floating away up here. So you are a spirit. Say, I have a soul. Now, what's a soul? Soul is your mind. It's what you think with. The soul is comprised of your will, what you make decisions with. And it's your emotions. It's your feelings or, or your, your feelings or emotions. So it's your mind, will, and emotion. So I am a what? 
spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a physical body. I'm a spirit. I have a soul. That's my mind, will, and emotion, and I live in a physical body. So, let's go ahead and go to the next slide. All right, so let me ask you this. Let's, let's go backwards a minute. Let's go back. So, when the Bible says that, it said all things were made new, behold, uh, all old things passed away, what part of me was made new? Are you sure? Spirit, soul, and body. So if it was new, and new is of God, then, then the part of you that would be made new would be like God. Anybody have thoughts like God all the time? Absolutely. <laughs> Anybody, everything they do in life, does it look like God? No. So I'm going to give you the answer. The answer is your spirit, but I want to give you scriptures rather than just like shooting them out to you. I want to give you scriptures so you can understand. We'll go through by process of elimination that it's not your soul, it's not your body, it's your spirit, man, that, of you that's been made new. So the day you got saved, everybody, I'm going to assume, let's just say you're saved. If you're not, you can be later. The day you got saved or the day that you get saved, your body did not change, right? If you were short, you're still short. If you were fat, you're still fat. If you were ugly, I'm going to send you up to Ulta in the mall. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But nothing physical changed. There was no physical change exterior. If you had bad thoughts, the day after you got saved, you probably still had some bad thoughts. If you had bad emotions and you were an emotional wreck, you'll probably still be an emotional wreck the instant you get saved. So what does Paul say? Look at 1 Corinthians. So here it is. Did your body change? Not yet. Well, it's yes and not yet. Okay? Not yet. So here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, uh, he starts this out. He says, I'm going to share with you a mystery. We shall all sleep. We shall all not sleep, but we all shall what? Be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. So he's saying that there comes a time when Jesus comes. He says, in a, he says we'll all not sleep. That means sleep means to pass away uh, as a believer. He said, we're all not going to sleep. We're all not going to pass away prematurely, but we will all be changed. That'll happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. When the trump sounds, boom, this body that's corruptible, this body that, that is susceptible to disease, and everything else in a moment will be changed. Philippians 3.21 says that my vile body will be transformed to be just like his glorious body. So that someday my body, your body, if you're a born-again believer, will be transformed instantly into the body of Jesus. It'll be made completely new then. All right, so your body doesn't change the minute you get saved. What about your soul? Anybody still have bad thoughts? Anybody still have to renew their mind like I do? Yeah, like every day? Every day? 
1 Corinthians 13, Paul gives us the answer, verses 9 through 12. He talks about this. He says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away with. Now, some denominations will use this verse to say that the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit have passed away. We don't believe that. And they will say that, that when that which is perfect has come, they'll say that was the canonized scripture of the Bible. So when the Bible was all put together, those things all ceased. Well, that can't be true if you read the rest of the passage, which we're going to do. So when that which is perfect has come can mean two things. When is your body made perfect? When Jesus comes, right? So that can actually relate to either when Jesus comes or when your body's made complete, which really is one and the same thing. He says, we know in part, so we don't have full knowledge. My mind only knows a little bit. It doesn't know everything there is to know. I know in part, prophesy in part, when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, what is that? Face to face, all right? That face-to-face -face didn't happen when the Bible was canonized. That face-to-face -face happens when the trump sounds, Jesus descends, and we're, we're caught up with him in the air. And it says, now I know in part, but then I shall know how? Just as I am known. So there will come a day, A, when you get a new body, and it'll be just like Jesus's, and you'll get a new mind, and your mind will be so complete on that day that you'll know to the same degree that he knows you. Now, what's he know about you? He knows the hairs on your head. He knows every little microscopic detail about you. So there's coming a day when your body's made new, your soul's made new, but not yet. So by process of elim elimination, which one would it be? All right, we got body. <laughs> Let's go. I am a what? I have a, I live in a body. It's not the body, it's not the spirit, so our soul, so what would be left? Spirit. The day you get born again, the spirit part of you is made so perfect, so holy, so righteous, so complete, that it's as perfect the day you get saved as it will be a billion years from now. It's already new, and it's already of God and it's already complete, and it already has everything in your born-again spirit that will, you'll need for the rest of life. See, here's, but here's the thing. If I told you you had a, let's just say, I mean, who, has, who has a backyard? A couple people backyard. If I told you that you, there was a million dollars buried in your backyard, Who, who, who would still be here right now? Right? Now, would you believe me? Probably not. But it's buried so you can't see it. So you might dig a little bit. You might give up. But see, but if you dig long enough, and you would dig all of it, I hear a little reverb in the background. It's kind of weird when you hear your own self talking. Do you ever do that? Kind of weird. Um, but if you dug long enough, you'd eventually find that. And so what we want to get to is there's a part of you that you just can't really see and experience and discern in the natural realm. But it's nonetheless there. So if, if I said to you, uh, 
Think about your body for a minute. I see a couple people fanning themselves. Who's hot? All right. Anybody cold? All right, you guys just swap places. All right. But see, your, your body is discerning hot, cold. Your body's discerning whether you have pain in your shoulder, whether you have a headache, whether your foot fell asleep. So all those things, you have five physical senses. You can see, you can taste, you can touch, you can smell, you can feel. And all five, sense of the, all five senses are the way that you discern what's going on in your body. If I ask you right now, who's depressed? Who's happy? Who's angry? Who's bored? Right? You would know that because in your soul, you have emotions. And emotions are indicators of what's going on in your soul. Senses are, are, are indicators of what's going on in your body. Well, I guess that's an indicator of the things going bad. I don't know. Something going on up here. So how do you discern what's going on in your spirit? If your five senses allow you to discern your body, and your emotions and feelings allow you to discern what's going on in your soul, how do you discern what's going on in the spirit? How do I see the new me? Boom. Read the Word of God. See, Jesus said when he's talking to Nicodemus, he says, that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. He said there's no direct access between the two. One is flesh, one is spirit. The two don't really, you can't access one by the other. Jesus said this, next slide. Um, let's go to the next slide. He says this in John 6, 63. He says, the words that I speak to you, he said, the flesh profits how much? Nothing, but the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. If I want to discern the spirit, what did Jesus say? The words I speak are spirit. The words I speak are spirit. We know that Jesus came in the flesh, and he was the word, but now the words he speak help us to discern what's going on in the spirit realm. Next slide. All right, so how do we do that? All right, let me ask you a question. Let's take a break from the Bible here for a minute. All right, this, this is, this, uh, really, I want you to think hard on this. Because here's what's happened. Until I learn to renew my mind to what's true in the spirit realm, I'll never fully experience all the benefits of salvation in my body and soul. It just won't happen. See, you're not saved just to go to heaven one day. God has built in everything you'll ever need, and he's put it inside of you. It's already packaged in there. So how many people have ever seen their face? Let me ask you that. I'm going to talk about a spiritual mirror. All right, by show of hands, how many people have ever seen their face?
Okay, how about that? All right. Okay. So I gave it away. How many people have ever seen their face? You've never seen your own face. I've seen Kristen's face. I've seen Pastor Jay's face. I've never actually seen my own face. And for thank God, right? See, how do I know if my hair's in place or not? I gotta look in the mirror because I can't feel my hair. Anybody ever feel their hair? I I can't, I don't wear makeup, but my wife can't feel if her makeup's on right. Matter of fact, you ladies will appreciate this. Joey, we have this secret. She's like, if I have lipstick on my tooth, let me know. So we have this little, you know, like this. <laughs> because you can't feel lipstick on your tooth. You can't feel a booger in your nose. Now, you, now you, until somebody you know, does this, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, do I got something there or not? So what happens over time? You've never seen your face. But from the time you were a little kid, you started looking in this. What is this? A mirror. I'm going to hit Pastor Jay in the light. Now you start looking in the mirror. And what happens is the more I look in the mirror and the more I, I'm, I learn to trust the reflection in the mirror and trust what it's saying, I can go out and act on it. See, I can't act on anything up here unless I look here. But the more I look here and the more I spend time here, the more I begin to trust the reflection in the mirror that it's true and it's accurate. And, and, and I can, okay, if, if, if I get up in the morning, my hair just doesn't look this good when I got out of bed. It takes a lot of gel and a lot of hairspray and a little heat, you know? Matter of fact, when I was in, in Panama two weeks ago, it was so humid, it, I should have just slicked it back. It, it, was, it was a train wreck. But... But the more time I spend in the mirror, the more I trust the reflection that I see. Same thing is true in the spirit realm. See, James tells us that God's word is a mirror. God's word reflects who you are in the spirit. He says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. He observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So I can get up in the morning and I can look in that and I can say, oh, you know what, my hair is fine. I don't care what the mirror says. <laughs> I've learned over time to trust the mirror because the reflection it gives me has been consistent over time. And he says, but he who looks... Now here's... I want to point this out because I've told you before that the law, the Old Testament law, was a mirror... And the mirror of the law points out what? Your sin. The law points out that you can't do it on your own. The law points out your insufficiencies, your failures. Don't confuse that law with this law. This says whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty. That's the new covenant of grace. See, Paul said, he said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We're talking about the covenant of grace. The new covenant. So when you look into the covenant of grace, when you look into what the Bible says about who you are in Christ, you can start to trust that reflection. You can start to believe what it says. But here's what, what I know is you could look at that and you could look in that 
And it says you are complete in Christ. And then if you walk away and forget about it, it's pointless. You look in that perfect law of liberty and it says you are healed. You have been healed. You are free from sin. And you don't believe it, you're going to walk out and live a different way. See, what you have to do is you have to look, you've got to spend time, and you've got to see who you are in the Spirit, who I am in Christ, what He's done for me, what He's provided in the, in the new you. I've got to trust it. I've got to believe it. I've got to understand that when I look here and see the reflection in God's Word of who I am in Christ, I've got to believe it, and then I've got to go act on it. See, because it says, he who is not a forgetful hearer, but he goes out and does what? He does something. You act on what you see, and it says that man will be blessed indeed. See, Paul says it a little bit different. He says it in Romans chapter 8. Let's go to the next one. Look into the mirror of God's word, trust the spiritual reality that reflects, and then start to act accordingly. Anybody ever hear of a carnal Christian? You know, when we hear the word carnal, what do we think of? We think of, what, sin? All sin is carnal, but not all carnality is sin. See, carnal just means fleshly, relating to the five senses. Paul says this, he says, if you are fleshly minded, if you are carnally minded, it's death. When I, when I focus on what I see in the natural realm, it just doesn't, it doesn't mean physical death, but it means all the things that pertain to, to sin, death, sickness, depression, any of that. He says, when I am focused mentally on the thing that I see in the natural, it leads to death. But when I'm spiritually minded, and how do I become spiritually minded? From the Word of God. When I spend time in God's Word, when I spend time renewing my mind to who I am, what He's done, what I have in Christ, it brings what? Life and peace. What did Jesus say? He said, the flesh profits nothing. The Spirit gives life. The words I speak, they are life. And so if you want to learn how to live in the reality of what Jesus has provided, you've got to spend time in the mirror. You're not going to get it here on Sunday morning. I can give you the tools. I can give you the, the, you know, the foundation. But during the week, you've got to spend time in God's Word and see what it says about you. Because it's real easy to leave here and walk out of here and say, oh yeah, I got it, I get it, this is who I am. And then you go out and you stumble and you sin or you get sick or you get stuck or whatever it is. You're like, well, that must not be true. But if you spend time in the mirror and you understand and you get it here, it's going to change your life. See, the remainder of your Christian life, once you get saved, the remainder of your Christian life is just renewing your mind to what God's Word says. It sounds simple, but, but, but it's really, that's all you got to do. Because here's what happens. If, 
if I, if, if, let's see, give me, give me three people, three people real quick, Curtis, Hector, and Abraham, come on, right here. All right, Abraham, everybody say, I am a, what, okay, I am a what? All right, you're a spirit. I have a soul, I live in a body, okay. Abraham is a new born-again spirit, right? This is everything that Jesus has provided in the new you, right here. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Boy, look at it. If you want to know what it looks like, it looks like Abraham. All right? Over here is, is the flesh, the body. This is the one that still has got some old desires, some old, got a little junk in the trunk, you know, just, just uh, you know, not, not quite there yet. But there'll be coming a day when his body gets, gets redeemed. All right. Yeah, the beard, beard's good. Beard's good. All right. Between the day you get saved and the day you go home to be with Jesus, it all starts right here. Renewing your mind. So as I begin to look in the mirror here, right, this mirror reflects who I am here. And when I begin to believe it, I begin to act this way. And guess what, comes, guess what comes along with me? Two out of three is what, a majority? Yeah, two out of three wins. So your renewed mind lines up with your born-again spirit and brings your body along with it. Now, now, oh, don't come uh, get back here. Now, yeah, the, the, the flesh has wandered off. So, so what if, what if, Exactly, that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. The flesh wanders off, and the soul, he starts renewing his mind to what he can see, and guess what? He goes that way, and he drags his born-again spirit with him, going the wrong way. See, it doesn't matter. Two out of three always win. So we got to get our mind renewed to the reality of what God has given us in order to experience to the fullest, the benefits of salvation. And you do that through renewing your mind to God's Word. That's it. All right, guys, thanks. All right, I think I'm going to, let's see. Let's see, your spiritual mind, when you allow God's words, what God's Word says is true to have greater influence in your thinking than what you can see in the natural. Then I'm going to stop there. I've got a lot, I really have a lot I want to get into over the next few weeks. Uh, how to see in the spirit realm, how to discern uh, what's real versus what seems real. Uh, but it starts by renewing your mind. It starts by looking in the mirror of God's Word. It starts by spending time in God's Word to understand who you are. Right, let's just pray. We're going to end right there. All right, let's stand up. I think I want to end with this. I want to read this verse, or a couple verses over you guys today, and we're going to close with this. This is the Apostle Paul. This is, this is a prayer that he prayed over the Ephesian church. And it's a prayer that God would open their eyes 
of understanding, that God would give them a spirit of revelation and wisdom, that they would be under, able to understand what was the hope of their calling, what was the riches of his inheritance in the saints. The inheritance is in the saints, and also what the, the greatness of God's power was toward them, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So let me just read this over you, and we're going to close with this. It says, Therefore also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord and Jesus and your love of all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come.